ten years. Three boys. One question. Are we friends? Hey, you. Are you listening to this right now? You probably are, because you can hear my voice. I want you to know that you're a handsome son of a bitch. Welcome to Are We Friends. I am your co-host, Taylor. <laughs> I am your co-co-host, Brian. And I'm Jorge. Did you forget what episode we're doing? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I never knew to begin with. <laughs> Joke's on Joke's you. Joke's on me, and this is the show where three boys who've known each other for ten years go through their interests one at a time to see if they are actually still friends anymore, or if it's just inertia. This week, Jorge is bringing us a topic. What are we talking about today, Jorge? Clive Barker. Ooh. Not to be confused with Bob Barker or a police dog whose last name would also be Barker. <laughs> Officer Barker. <laughs> but who is know. Clive Barker? The man, the myth. Uh, Clive Barker is a horror author. Well, so he was a horror author. I feel like he, after the Books of Blood, he pretty much went into fantasy with some horror elements in it. Which is a huge bummer for me because he's... These books of blood are, are quite tasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Clive Barker is the man who wrote Hellraiser. It's based on his novel called The Hellbound Heart. He also wrote uh, the the Forbidden something or other, uh, which is the where Candyman comes from. Just the Forbidden. The yes, Forbidden. There you go. Something. Or yeah, other. he is. It's one of those characters. Uh, he's one of those characters who's weirdly influential in a way that you don't know, and then all of a sudden, just like oh. Yeah, you, you've written a bunch of shit that I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe he also directed Hellraiser. He did. He did indeed. Uh, he directed a lot of oh. them, I thought. Uh, some of, Around that time period, he did uh, two more that were based on his works. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like uh, Ralph Ellison, I think we've talked about, also is a weirdly influential one. He wrote the the story that inspired the Terminator and sued the pants off of James Cameron for it. Do you want to... Who? <laughs> Ralph Ellison? No, oh my God, not R- Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, who who am I thinking of? Uh, Harlan. You're thinking of Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. <laughs> no. Ralph Ellison like is the Invisible Ralph. Man, isn't he? Invisible <laughs> Man. Yeah. He talk- Oops. Like, I didn't realize he wrote about the Black Experience I was hesitant in America, to... and then also talked about the Terminator. No, not famous black <laughs> author Ralph Ellison. <laughs> yeah. Harlan oh Ellison, like, the horror writer. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, I was I was hesitant to correct you because I'm like I've I've definitely been wrong before, but I feel like Harlan isn't Ralph. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's not like his childhood nickname was Harlan, and they got it out of Ralph somehow. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, like, you know how some Christophers are Tophers? It's like that, but not. <laughs> oh my God, that's what that is. Yeah, dude, that, Christopher. I've relearned that like oh, three times now. It blows I my mind. Die. Every time. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. That's nobody call yourself Toe forever. Don't what about do Toe it. for Grace. Toe, Toe for Grace is allowed because he's Toe for Grace, but that's it. Like, yeah, because otherwise his name would be Chris Grace. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, Grace. That, yeah. That's oh, ooh, yeah. You that's take a brutal. Yeah, he's immediately that. a televangelist. Absolutely. You're excited. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Topher take the grace right out of his name? You know, it doesn't sound heavenly. <laughs> <laughs> it really it does. It's you know like every man. It's a combination of heaven and hell. <laughs> Sorry to yeah, all of so our topers. I, I, I brought up Clive Barker just because uh, I was trying to get another fast one out there, and I had already read all these stories. I did reread all of them for y'all, but uh, 
the he just is one of my favorite horror authors and i think these these stories in particular are like great examples of what i feel like what people who don't know the horror genre think about in horror stories that it must be something insane and macabre and mm-hmm. grotesque you know whereas most most horror stories are just like oh man my boyfriend is abusive again yeah and Which, like, i'm not saying it's a bad this is a bad plot for a story but it's, it's i'm just saying it's pretty often you know? i oh this werewolf is hooked on drugs oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's just always shit like that and i i love this like true fucking absolute like insanity horror. yeah there yeah. was a yeah. couple of lines in here that i have saved and highlighted just like oh wow this is just like a pretty nice description uh of a, like a realistic interaction between people right now in the middle of this incredibly weird story so that's one of the things i want to talk about in yeah. the hills the cities in particular um so clive barker is gay and he's one of the only authors i've no. seen that <laughs> uses characters that are not straight just as normal characters. They just happen to be straight. They're doing their normal business. It's not like, oh, check oh, it they out. They happen to be no, gay. Yeah, just... happen to be gay. Yeah, yeah they just it. happen to be gay. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, be gay. Uh, actually, that's what I was just talking about is a moment of like gay sex that he writes about really quick. And I want to read it because it was very nice. And then he blows it at the end. Like, absolutely <laughs> ruins it. Oh, I think I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. about. It was good love they made. Good, strong love. Equal and pleasure for both. There was a precision to their passion, sensing the moment when the effortless de- delight became urgent, when desire became necessity. They locked together, limb around limb, tongue around tongue, and a not only orgasm could unite, their backs alternately scorched and scratched as they rolled around exchanging blows and kisses. Sounds great. Now he's going to blow it. In the <laughs> thick of it, creaming together, they heard the butt, butt, butt of a tractor passing by, but they were past caring. You know, probably because of all that creaming they were just doing. That there, that was a moment. So I listened to these. I didn't, I didn't, I'm reading them on the yeah. page, but I listened. And I was very, like, they're easy listens. He is a, I think he's a very, very good writer um, and gets the, he has very good pacing. For very clean. Stuff. Yeah, very clean, very uh, concise, very, like, just very enjoyable reading or uh, listening to. Um, and that moment, I literally paused. <laughs> th- I had to stop and go, excuse me? <laughs> I was, what the fuck was that? And I, I rewound 30 seconds and I listened to it again. I'm like, cool. Yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, down for awesome. Like, you can't say Creaming that, Clive. Together. You just can't cream which by the way i don't i don't know if it's you guys or my other friends but i say, are did i say yeah, cream to you us. guys and you guys fucking yeah you hated it <laughs> say it right now hear how wet it is coming out of his mouth <laughs> cream no no, no. <laughs> no 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 say it the way that you say it i have no moisture in my mouth <laughs> yes hold on cream that's <laughs> Something gross about it, dude. Cream. I thought I thought the cream. problem that you had with it was that it sounded like cream, 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 because that's what it is. Cream, cream. cream. <laughs> all right, I'm so sorry to everybody listening. Some great content there for y'all. So, it's Hori, like... where do you want to start off talking about Clive Barker today? Well, I'm still on on the jizz thing. So, I... <laughs> it's I I love Clive Barker because he is he can be supremely disgusting, and it's but it's always got like a per that he. He just is willing to talk about cum, and in all, yeah. of, he always has a reason to talk about cum, you know. And it, so, like, in I don't think I'll be able to find the exact line here this quickly, but uh, in the Hellbound Heart at the beginning, when Uncle Frank opens the lament configuration, 
they talk about how he's like seeing grand sights and everything is so horrible and painful and mm-hmm. pleasurable at the same time. And so he jerks off and then he drops in his knees into his own splooch. I'm pretty sure they say splooch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, it's it's he's one of those writers uh, that picks up the the details that make you go oh yeah you know you're totally right about that uh, which i think is the mark of just an observant good writer someone who can put that down because he someone said something uh well you know it was these two characters in a story that we'll talk about in more detail later right after the creaming uh where they like they kissed each other and they could taste like the salt sweat of semen i, on their I was tongue. actually i was gonna i had that line prepared yeah you want to read so it? it's right it's yeah it's right after that sex scene that taylor went through he said uh they laughed Lightly together, then kissed, tasting each other and themselves a mingling of saliva and the aftertaste of salt semen. I would have dropped salt out of that (laughs) sentence. I got it. Uh, Yeah, definitely understand the situation. uh, That's one of the situations where he just like is willing to talk about the gross thing, but it's not. It's actually like super normal and not not that. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know how much semen y'all are tasting normally, but I feel like it is a. I'm saying that situation is normal. Yeah. It's a... Oh, yes, absolutely. It's a realization that I had a little while ago. Uh, Our middle school, all three of our middle school, had a bunch of Bradford uh, Bradford pear trees outside of it. You'll know them as the white trees that smell bad that seem to be everywhere. And I was talking to someone, (laughs) and they go, oh, you mean the cum trees? I'm like... Oh my God! They do smell like cum. <laughs> but again, you know those people who just pick up the right detail and they make you realize that you've thought that the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So that that sex scene comes from in the hills, of the cities, which I guess is a good, so as good as of uh, starting place as any. I agree. So it it is those those two men who I think they're married they don't act like they're married but they say they're on a honeymoon yeah I couldn't tell like much in this book uh, there's a lot of mingling of metaphor and uh, literalism which yeah. is which is kind of the thrust of the book like the main device of how mm-hmm. the story is carried uh, but in this one I, I didn't I didn't know if it was a honeymoon phase of their relationship because they're lovers and partners in the 80s in Europe so I I literally don't know European law <laughs> and the history of European law. I don't know when men were allowed to be married to one another. Um, yeah, they're they're Englishmen, but they're they're traveling through through Europe through like a bunch of little towns and shit, uh, and they both hate each other now, which is just so choice for for sorry <laughs> decisions that Clive Barker's making. Yes, chef's kiss all around. Yeah, and it, um, it absolutely the the dynamic of their relationship is because he does a paragraph, two paragraphs in a row, one from Judd's perspective and one from Mick's perspective. The the two men, uh, and the first one is Mick's like, oh my god, this guy won't fucking shut up in his condescending yeah. political bullshit. I don't give a shit. Like I'm here to see art. I don't need to know about Russian trade agreements and how the Soviets are a threat to world peace or whatever. And they go back to Judd's perspective, <laughs> and he's like. This fucking queen, like, honest to God, I'm having yeah. to have, I'm trying a realistic conversation with consequences and about real things that are affecting our lives. And all he wants to talk about is Serbian virgins, you know, like talking about like yeah. the, the subject of the art pieces they want to go see. Yes, it's it's art, not actual individual virgins. Again, something that I think was made purposefully unclear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but but the actual the whole the whole hook of the story is that meanwhile they're about to stumble across uh these two towns where every 10 years the the entire town except for the really old and sick have like harness each other they strap to yeah, each like- other and create a colossal uh like human sh- vaguely human shaped monster made of people 
and then the two towns fight each other. Yeah, and two cities, I should say. This is uh, yeah. the the point I was trying to make earlier, or what I alluded to earlier, that the metaphor he uses metaphor slowly becoming literal in a really nice way here, because he talks about like, yeah, one limb of the city came in, and then the other limb assembled. I'm like, cool, that's a weird metaphor to use. I've never heard of a group of people referred to as a limb before, but it makes sense because they're like flanking. So like, oh, all right. So I guess they're doing some sort of like faux battle thing that these two towns do, and slowly like. I had to reread sections of no 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 they're, they're literally limbs they're literally strapped yeah. to each other and making exactly. monsters like, uh, yeah and it's there's enough people where it they don't just form like a vague outline they're actually forming like the muscle and sinew and skin and teeth and there's like five people per eyeball i think yeah their heads yeah it's about heads together uh, the bald heads of children make up the teeth of this monster. Yes. Like, yeah, it, it's like it's a really horrifying image uh, when he finally it's... stops dropping all pretense and describes, you know, like every horror story does. Like, now we get the monster. Yeah. The money shot, yeah. Like, the actual, like, thing of it. Um, I believe it's, like, 35,000 people. Yeah, it's, it's 30-some-thousand. Uh, it's fucking... That, it's such an astronomical number to think about like because yeah they say um, that the head of yeah. the monster is nearly in the clouds and i say yeah. monster but it is oh, it's just a bunch of people it's just a bunch actually, of people strapped to each other that's actually great with with what taylor's talking about because of vaslov yeah, i believe is the name. referee mm-hmm. um i don't know his i couldn't do his last name but vaslov has a a it's kind of a self-referential moment for barker where he is talking about american sayings and the literal versions of like he he gets that confusion there of like head in the clouds oh they only see clouds as dreams they only see this sort of thing as as something else but then he's just like but this thing's actually almost in the clouds (laughs) like for real yeah they can keep their cartoon mice and whatever like i have something truly impressive to look upon he he might as well have said capitalist dogs and spat on the ground like but that that line's really nice because yeah it's something like let them keep their cartoon mice and reality tv or whatever it is yeah we have this and it's it's a giant mountain of people people just a literal colossus of flesh like hulking across the landscape there's a point where Vaslov's talking to the our two English uh, gentlemen, and he said, "I think he says something like the fulfillment." Of, he, they're like, "What the fuck is that?" And he's like, "The fulfillment of the state, or something." Like he says something that's very like communist yeah. sounding, and I was yeah. like, "He, I don't know if there's politics. I assume there is, but like, I don't know what's being said about any of this." These was things like the last the gasp of the metaphor bleeding into reality because he's on his deathbed. Yeah. Uh, one the referee is on his deathbed, and the two Englishmen all they haven't seen the Colossus yet. They just see one of the the, the fallout, literally the fallout of one of the Colossi, uh, like falling apart, and just a body of mangled together, tied humans, you know, like children squashed yeah. beneath large men, and vice versa, and women and children. Everyone's naked, and it's horrifying. There was literally a river of blood. There was so many people, and they find this one guy who is going through and shooting people and then oh no no this is a different guy uh but anyway they they find yeah. vaslov this referee between this battle of the colossi and they ask like what the fuck was that <laughs> like you have to tell us what unimaginable tragedy just happened because we cannot understand and he starts spouting some party line stuff like some really soviet stuff like the oh it's, it's the collectivized soul it is this that and the other yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, and then he literally says, like, no, it was just the state that <laughs> fell and things like that. And Judd, the political one, goes like, oh, he was just saying, so he probably had that speech prepared for years, gonna die all red yeah. like the rest of them. And Mick was like, nope, that wasn't communism. You're an idiot, and no. this is real. <laughs> yeah, this is just, yeah. that's what happened. Like, I think they, they, he just meant that there were people piled on people, and then they all fell over. Like, He's, I don't think. I have a line here. He says, uh, it is the body of the state. It is the shape of our lives. Yeah. that's what it was thank yeah. you because i was like i when i heard state i was like the fuck kind of situation like what is he talking about and then i was like oh yeah, okay, out of the mouth sense. of stalin himself vaslov <laughs> grew a giant mustache and hair at that point. yeah so sorry sorry to ruin the reveal for all y'all but i i knew i knew what was going on going into the story that's like why wow, i heard about that story i was like i gotta go read that shit yeah um so it is still very good just reading it if you if you guys want a taste of what this monster semen. ends up being yeah <laughs> salt you guys semen. want a taste so of the salt semen of the story uh just look up popolock <laughs> like p-o-p-o-l-a-c and you'll get a very good idea of what this monster is yeah Yo. So yeah, that story is awesome. I love it. It's horrific. Uh, what, which, what, Brian? What story would you say was your favorite? Other than that, what's um, your next? So and is that give, your favorite story? How would you rank I, these? I didn't. Okay, so for me, I got to, um, I got through four of them. I I'm in the middle of uh, Pig Blood Blues, but uh, and I have to finish or I have to li- read. Uh, I don't remember what the last one is. Uh, sex death and starshine something like that something like that um but i i got through books of blood or book of blood rather yeah um midnight meat train in the hills of cities and uh the yattering and jack um i would be down because jorge recommended uh in the hills the cities and the yattering and jack as the things we should like we have to read for this mm-hmm. um I'm down to talk about Yattering and Jack. Let's I'm down do to talk about Midnight Meat Train. But yeah, let's do Yattering and Jack. Right what now. did y'all think of the Yattering and Jack, Taylor? I know you've read it before. Yeah, I, I have read it before. Jorge and I were doing a horror book club for a brief time a few years ago. And this was one of the stories nice. that was brought to us by Jorge. Uh, and it's it's been one of my favorite short stories for a while. Uh, it's It's just good like it's just, it's just like i like uh classic fausty type stories where it's man and demon yeah. squaring off uh and this one makes it sad and horror <laughs> yeah, it's can we not spoil this one i don't i don't think this is one we should spoil because okay. i think there's a good there's a turn in it that is effective so then in what it does all i will say is that the yattering is a is a demon there some sort of demon thing trying to trying to drive the main character Jack to insanity. Well, yeah. I guess the Yattery might be the, the main character. I don't know. You see a lot of his perspective. Yeah. And it's just it's his trials and tribulations in the home and it is humorous and great and It was way it was I I don't know what it was. I I felt like this story was going to like change between people. Like different personalities would read this differently. Like cuz I I fuck it like at least the, you know, part of it I it was like a fucking sitcom or like a funny like it was a comedy. It was yeah. basically just a comedy for at least part of it. And I was like, what the fuck is like this is a horror writer? And I'm like yeah, something But it was good. I really liked it. Something you get in the first paragraph, so I'm not spoiling anything, is the Yattering has been having difficulty with this particular man. Like <laughs> he, his mission is to make him insane. 
uh, you know, like drive yeah. him to madness so they can hell can claim his soul. And the Yattering just finds like the most banal person. I'll find the exact <laughs> line. Most banal person, Jack Polo here, who seems just un flappable in his boringness and it's driving the yattering insane <laughs> yeah like because sometimes the yattering will do shit and all the time jack is just like chesera sera yeah, yeah that is his like... that is his ever ever present phrase chesera sera <laughs> yeah. here we go uh here's the exact line that i i loved in the first one that made me realize like oh i have to annotate these for us uh, to a creature trained to put its meddling fingers into the wound of the human psyche, Polo offered a surface so utterly glacial, so utterly without distinguishing marks, as to deny malice any hold, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that one's great. That one's like especially short. So definitely, definitely go read that. Yeah. We won't. We won't dwell on it since we're not ruining and anything. I, I did want to mention. Yeah. I don't know if you all saw, but it's it's in it's always in the I don't know what you call it. It's in the beginning of the book always. Uh, it's just two lines, or it. it I it's about the book of blood. He just, he just says everybody is a book of blood. Wherever we're opened, we're red. Yeah, just a cute but little red, oh, red is boo. red is the color. Boo. Yeah, it's a. I think it's an epitaph. <laughs> uh, not an epitaph. Sorry, that's on a gravestone. Um, an epic epigram. It's between the introduction and the okay. table of contents on its yeah. own page. Like where I, I love it because I, I always remember it and I always look for it. I'm like, where did he hide this stupid fucking thing here? <laughs> yeah, it's in the place where a, another author would do something like for Alice with love. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> for Cynthia, my guiding star. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, and he it's, just fucking fucked around. Like, it's mad stupid and I love it. He's, uh, this is another thing I wanted to, and it, kind of goes with yattering and we can talk about it with some other things as well but um the what the thing that i like a lot about clive barker is how much like i'm a visual person obviously like i love film i like that sort of storytelling this sort of thing uh he especially the yattering and jack was such an easy translation to a film in my head like it it was so colossal. I could I watched every part of that. I watched that as a movie in my head just from listening to it. Like it was so easy to see. Well, you which, say that you say that, but really? you haven't seen the Tales from the Dark Side episode that they made of the Adrian and Jack. Oh dear, is it awful? Oh no, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know about it's, you guys, but I was happen? only imagining John Lithgow playing Jack Polo. <laughs> I Something had a like much, that. Yeah. I had a much shorter man, but that yeah. vibe is absolutely. Or like a John C. Riley. Yes. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah, that could. I think that could work. Pretty I was well. thinking of his performance, uh, Amos, in Chicago, where he kind of plays a <laughs> oh schlubby schmuck, uh, and it was just like, oh yeah, this would translate really, really well to like what he, what this character needs. Exactly. Dude, yeah. Check check this out for the addering, Danny DeVito, easy. Oh Shut my god! Easy, dude. <laughs> god damn. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so we'll we'll pitch this to the to the movie execs. Uh, no, we'll pitch it to Netflix because then we might have a shot. You know, cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I just love the idea of little frustrated Danny DeVito just like <laughs> just getting so a lampshade mad. across. Um, just fucking motherfucker. And you just put him in like a little devil costume, like not even oh, give him absolutely. the good effects, dude. Like the red felt. Like. Another turn. He would, he would look like, uh, he would look like pain or panic from Hercules. You don't know, you know who, from that. you know who I'm thinking of? It's, uh, Carface in the second All Dogs Go to Heaven. All Dogs Go to Heaven Shut 2. Shut the fuck up. Where the evil cat villain puts him in a little 
little devil costume. That's what <laughs> I, I'm thinking. Also, I, I, when I was reading the yattering and hearing you guys talk about it now, I would love Danny DeVito. I would also love Aziz Ansari to play that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. Yeah, be good at that, yeah. too. And a, oh, there's my a, there's God. There's a great fake jazz album that H. John Benjamin releases. Oh, uh, yeah. Where he has a just a studio jazz musicians playing behind him and he plays the piano but john's but h on benjamin cannot play the piano so he's just pretending like it's jazz but everyone else is playing really nicely around him and it begins with h john benjamin talking to the devil played by aziz ansari like i want to sell my soul to be good at the piano and he goes cool how long you been playing a couple weeks a couple of weeks I don't think you get how this works. I'm not just going to make you good at the piano. I make great people legends. Like, you have to, like, I'm yeah. not going to teach you to play the goddamn piano right now. Get out of here. And he goes, okay, I'm sorry to have wasted your time or whatever. And then, and then does this jazz album without learning how to play the piano. It's a very funny it's, bit. It's very funny. Oh, that's uh, amazing. But speaking of poor adaptations, the other one of the other stories I said is is a more famous one is the uh, Midnight Meat Train, which actually got a full film adaptation. No kidding. Yeah. So my claim about how how visual and easy it was to see these things in my head is, uh, I don't think translated to any of the writers or directors of the film adaptation of the Midnight Meat Train because oh my god. Um, but to the to talk about the story a little bit, it is, uh, it's a very simple story. Dude, um, knock out that cast list, though. <laughs> oh, for the movie or for yeah, for the movie. Uh, the two that I know for sure. I don't know about the lady, but uh, the main character, Leon Kaufman, is played by one uh, a little known actor who has had a couple of hits, uh, a couple of successes. I'd say not even hits. Uh, a a Brad Cooper, a Brad Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper something. It's Bradley Cooper. Plays Leon and, Kaufman in the Leon Midnight Kaufman. Meat Train, uh, and the the bad guy in that is uh, played to a laughable degree by one Vinnie Jones, who you may know as the Juggernaut from oh X Men Three: The Last That's Stand. That's what it is. Uh, hold on, can someone please deliver me the most famous line out of X Men Three, really quick? <laughs> I'm the Juggernaut. Bitch. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually he originally from a YouTube. It's from a YouTube video. Absolutely! <laughs> oh my god, it's so. Fucking oh yeah, funny. that was they took that meme from the they yep. took that from the meme. That was before the, there were memes. Oh my god! Pretty sure. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, or it was like, early. It was early meme meme times. Early um, meme. But his friend is also played by uh, Roger Bart. Oh shit! Dude, yeah, Roger which, Bart. If you don't know who Roger Bart is, you're not going to care about Roger Bart. But he's he's the best. Yeah, uh, you would know him. He plays Carmen Gia in The Producers. Like, oh Roger, we're not alone. And he is also <laughs> the voice of Hercules uh, when he sings uh, "Go the Distance." Voice of Hercules. That's that's what I should have said. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, if you know who Carmen Gia and The Producers is, you know who Roger Bart that's is. Like, <laughs> that's also true. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the uh, Midnight Meat Train is is one of those where it's just like it. I think about it like a like a Lovecraftian story where not much else happens besides check out what's happening here. Look, it's this. Yeah, this the, is what this is what's happening. The story is just the scary event. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's no there's no story in that sense. There's character and there's theme and there's like stuff, but like plot wise is just. Might as well be going through a haunted house. Like, yeah. they, I mean, they set up a nice atmosphere for most of the stories. What they oh, do. definitely. I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad. I no. actually don't even think the the story is bad. I think the story is good. 
Totally um, agree. I have uh, I have not but, read this yeah. story. Can you guys give me a brief synopsis? Yeah, so there's a there's a murderer on the subway in New York. There's, there's like a serial killer who's been butchering people. Uh, you see stuff like actually butchering people. Like they're hung up. One guy sees a person hung up with their throat slit in a bucket under Jesus. them. Yeah, yeah, like his name is Mahogany, and you get his perspective as well. And so he's kind of alluding to that he does it as a service for his, uh, what he calls the city fathers. Um, and he's he should be like a respected member of society, but you know they, like he he works for the most powerful elite in some way. Oh, gotta and love implies that this is a horror plot that I love. That uh, the class structure is exactly <laughs> what it is, but it's also horror. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, yeah, like, like yeah. The the rich feed on us, the poor people in a metaphorical sense, and now also a literal sense. Yeah, it's like why have a metaphor when you can just do that? Just yeah. Uh, so he's stop, out. He's stop out there putting fucking dots between to connect. Just make one line. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So he's out there butchering people every night for them. But that, like, they they reveal more about that as the story goes on. And Very then there's cool. another character, mm-hmm. Leon Kaufman, who is just thinking about stuff, I guess, <laughs> until he sees what, <laughs> yeah. what it is. <laughs> in terms of the plot, in terms of like the plot, there the only things that happen are uh, Leon is having bad coffee and a. A bearded, probably homeless, mentally ill person is sitting next to him, reading the paper over his shoulder, bumps into him and apologizes and gets him another cup of coffee he doesn't want and just goes, eh, they're probably uh, fucking sewer monsters, right? Or fucking blah. And then he leaves. Then Leon goes to work, it's which so it's we a, don't- it's a, yeah. it's a conspiracy theory guy. And he like yes. pretty much dumps- potential plot into your lap he's like yeah i bet it's like they fucked up some sort of experiments and they're evil clone monsters that live in the sewers like okay you just this story is like 20 pages long so you really just fed us that (laughs) you really just threw that there and then uh leon goes to work for a long time uh falls asleep and then gets on the train and that's when you know things happen um but that's it in terms of the plot like everything else is just thoughts on things and this was for me, this was the most Lovecraft, Lovecraftian style story from Barker because he kind of he has that vibe, but he I think he is far superior. Uh, he's he's like he is like Lovecraft's cooler, less racist older brother who comes into yeah. town. Like you have to live with Lovecraft in your town, and you're the same age. And you're like, oh hey HP, how's it going? And he's like, eh, did you see my experiment? And you're like, I don't really give a shit, dude. Like, All right, really, we get yeah, it, we you get just. It. You you set you set fire to a star of David. I don't know what to tell you about this. There's nothing constructive I can give you. And then like Clive Barker rolls into town in like a Corvette with a sick actual mustache, and he's like, "Hey guys, how's he it going?" And we're like, "Oh shit, hey, it's Clive." Blah 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 blah. And he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna take my boyfriend out of town. You know, go to go to a bar. You guys be cool." And he throws you twenty dollars and leaves. And you're like, "Man, Clive's the best." Yeah. What happened to <laughs> Dude, you, you, HP? Guys- you guys yeah, like, be cool is an objectively cool thing to say to people when you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very much like if I were going to put this in Letterkenny terms, because apparently a huge proportion of our listeners are Letterkenny fans. Um, Excellent. Hard right. I don't know why that's the overlap. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> no, uh, hard HP uh, Lovecraft is hard right J, and Clive Barker is Bradley. <laughs> yeah, he is that, Bradley. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah, very very much. It's, it's, yeah, but the 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 way that this whole story is described is to me reminds me of Spider-Man Noir in 
in the new Spider-Man movie. Into the Spider Verse, oh, okay. the way that the way that he talks in the, in the, into the Spider Verse, <laughs> where he's just like, "I go where the wind follows, and the wind smells like rain." Like that's yeah. the way. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you get to look. It was smiling contentedly to itself from behind a bloody chain mail apron. This was the midnight meat trip. Like, <laughs> oh I didn't God. have to say also... the name of the. <laughs> I, I did see the title card come up right when he said that. I saw it flash into my head. Just, oh, and there it is. Oh, my God. Like in the like, style. Uh, oh, God. What was his name? Uh, the King of Horror. The old King of Horror. The guy who does the voice from Thriller. Um, Vincent yeah, Price. Yeah, it's like Vincent a Vincent Price. Price style movie. Like, it was the midnight meat train as the thunder and lightning effect is coming on. <laughs> yeah. do an MGM production. <laughs> oh, that's very Roll generous. Roger, Cor- Roger Corman would be presenting yeah, yeah, that. No, film. you're right. You're yeah, right. No way. Corman. Yeah, that's that's filmed somehow on the same set as fucking House on Haunted Hill and yeah. all the other fucking movies Roger Corman did. Oh, like he God. does a lot of describing New York as a woman, you know. So it's uh, you can you can pretty much see. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite clear. No, it's it's that's interesting that he falls for how does that metaphor go for him describing new york as a woman which is also a very noir thing like oh the city was a woman loveless and betraying and just okay all right so this is the story we're in right now well it's 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 clive barker so it's a lot of like she's a dirty slut and i hate her (laughs) yeah like she's a whore yeah basically well he's he's disillusioned (laughs) because he moved to new york after wanting to live there all of his life and then it sucked and so this guy leon kaufman not clive barker i don't know where he lives but England, probably. Yeah. He was born in Lon- London. Why do you say it like that? I don't remember. Why do you say London? Uh, Hafuz. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, is it, I, I was about to say, like, so Nick, I've heard that before. Is it Nick Frost who said, you have to go back to London? <laughs> <laughs> it's his. It, they, uh, <laughs> oh, it's the. It's at the police department. One of them gets a telegram from London, and he's like. So something just came into you from me, like reads it like London. <laughs> Speaking of well-paced things, um, oh, that was my segue. One of the things that I really I liked about Clive Barker is <laughs> how quick and page turnery the pacing of these short stories were. Because I feel like a short mm-hmm. story, at least in a lot of like the, the mainstream American tradition, is well, this is going to be a short story, so I can sit here and ruminate and really build these long, elegant descriptions because it's a shorter story. And in a novel, this would exhaust you, or it would be Faulkner. Um, and it, <laughs> and here, in, in the short story, like, oh, you're only going to be here for 10 pages, so I can spend as much time here. Clive Barker is like, nah, I'm not having any of that. This is going to be a fast-paced thrill ride start to yeah. You're going to look at those 20 pages, and it's going to feel like two. That's the thing. Is, yeah. I was able to read all these stories in two days. Me. If I can read them, fucking uh, any half-witted child out there can handle it. Oh. Yeah, like they're they're yeah, very. I get, distra- di- I get distracted when I'm reading. Yeah, them. they are very digestible for sure. Yeah. Um, now, if you're thinking about getting into Clive Barker, I did want to bring this up. Don't go to his website. I would say. Oh, oh. do tell. Hold on. <laughs> it's not. It's not anything. But it's not like. So far, I found nothing racist or sexist that I I have no allegations and nothing has come up. But his website is, if you look at this, it's like a, it was oh. clearly made in the 90s, oh. maybe around the time that Books of Blood no. was popular, and then they did not update it, and it is 
it oh. is the most edge lordy shit I have ever seen in my entire life. Oh, I'm and sorry. It doesn't it get any so better. Than- um, let me just quickly to give everyone uh, a hint here. The it is clivebarker.info. It's not a dot com. Mine's a dot com. Oh, then I'm on. The- okay, sorry. I'm on a different Clive Barker website. <laughs> that is also bullshit. Oh no, this. What one- does that one look like? Uh, here, I'll show you. It's a nice little picture from DeviantArt of two people holding a fish. Let's go to the main site. Clivebarker.com, there's a blue background. It says Lost Souls in the top left. There's Clive Barker standing on some steps underneath the crucifix, and it says Devotion. There's also an overlaid image of him larger on the right, and there's it says Visions on the left. And I think those are two different links, is Devotion and Vision. This doesn't make any sense. And then I couldn't, I honestly couldn't even read. You start clicking through it and it's just, it's a fucking mess of old school. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm on this website now. First of all, this is the third uh, option when you search Clive Barker. It's clivebarker.info, a weird wiki style, like, fact page about Clive Barker. And then his own website is after it. Uh, yeah, Yeah, and it is, it is absolutely... It's a lot. It looks like someone in your high school newspaper made a website for the edgy drama that the high school drama club is putting on <laughs> starring like a gay man in a school or something like it's like, it's it's very like you can tell like this was someone's first website and uh, they thought they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have trouble believing it's actually Clive Barker because again, his stories are fantastic and he clearly knows what he's doing and they're very purposeful. But listen to this page. From his website. Oh, yes. I am a man, and men are animals who tell stories. This is a gift from God who spoke our species into being, but left the end of our story untold. That mystery is troubling to us. How could I could be? He's just rambling now. This is more rambling forever. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely a high school literary journal, and the title of this piece is called Revelations. Stop. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> I don't. There's a section called Confessions, dude. He's not Christian, though. I did look into that. He does. He doesn't like organized religion, but I. Th- I uh, think he's vaguely like he does live by the Bible. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So That's, it's it's a whole okay. it's a whole mess sure. in here. This is one of those things that I I do believe. Uh, death of the author. Uh, I can talk about Clive Barker as a writer. <laughs> I want to learn little. If I do learn something about an author, I compartmentalize that far away from their writing because like, yeah. sometimes it's just oh i hate you as a man or a woman i love you as a writer and um but damn there's gonna be yeah, an indelible like... line between those two things he's like uh it, it that's like all the loose cannon cops on the edge when it's like damn it i could fire you 10 times over for this but you're the best damn kidnapping <laughs> finder we have and it's like fuck like <laughs> There was a those, those those police captains always go home and they're like I have to compartmentalize this colossal asshole from my fucking department. Yeah, and I do have to say I like Clive Barker because all the stories that I've read, uh, I read two for today and I've read a few others uh, before. That I, I like that he doesn't give in to a lot of stereotypes about mm-hmm. like, yeah. uh, that kind of pulpy writers will fall into. One of them being like loose cannon cop or something like that. He takes the time like no, this is going to be like an, a realistic portrayal of an interaction that's happening right now and horror uh it's it's good yeah. i mean he is just a, a a good writer yeah for there, sure there's like the the last thing i want to talk about is the the book of blood which is the first story in the books of blood which is really just a setup for the books of blood go for in it which uh 
They're, they're the bookends of blood. Yeah. 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 They're doing a, a, a paranormal experiment. They're like parapsychology stuff. Uh, but the it's a guy up in the attic who's been faking it and writing scribbles on the walls and saying it's from the dead. Uh, and the the doctor he's working for, she's like lusting after him, which is a big part of it. Uh, and that relationship's over. The, that, he just throws in shit like that all the time, you know, where you're just like listening to somebody think about how they want to fuck this young boy. He's not a he's not a boy boy. He's like a he's like an us boy. You know, he's like twenty four. Yeah, like he. Yeah, there's yeah. a there was a moment. He's soft, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there was he's soft. Dude. Uh, there was a line I really liked in in the hills, the cities, where there Mick and Judd are having an argument, and Mick says, "Fuck it." Pull over. I'm done. Uh, what? Pull over the fucking car. And he pulls over the car and he like storms out and he's picking flowers or something. And Judd is looking at him condescendingly and says, like, all right, this routine would work if you were 16, but not if you're 25. I'm not buying it. <laughs> you're like, you, you fastidious queen, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he almost says fastidious queen. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, so this boy is, is doing the fake scribbling up in the attic. And then the actual dead get mad, and he's, like, connected to one of the highways of the dead, and it's only for people who got murdered, were somehow involved in violent deaths. And so they come, and they all fuck him up. They it, You have to read the descriptions, because it's, like, this whole cross-dimensional insanity thing. Yeah. But they end up leaving written all over his body, like, sc- like scarred into him, is every one of these stories written on the boy. Uh, Damn, and so it's the woman yeah. that it writes down those stories, and those are the books of blood. It's it's a cool, it's a very, it's a cool device. Like I know Creepshow, and a cup, uh, like a bunch of other things, Tales from the Crypt. Like they have devices around to like justify the stories, and this one is very good because, like, when you I I finished reading that story, and I was like, fuck, and then I'm like, oh my god, all of these stories are just on this dude. And there's only yeah. like five here. There's so many stories from those people because that that first story takes a is a big roller coaster because it starts with just like the dead are fucking real. They travel on highways and they're fucking <laughs> real. They cross over and they can do this thing and it's at this place and then it's like no, that's full of shit and it's like okay, oh, so this is all fake then. Okay, cool. And then it's like, but actually it isn't because this other person is also <laughs> actually real and can see all this shit. They're like, okay, what the fuck, guys? Like, it's... Yeah, he, he'll do those weird details about like hinting at his own theology or his own theory of the dead as a writer. And I've got one here from The Yattering and Jack where he just says, Autumn is hell's season, and the demons of the higher <laughs> denominations are denominations were feeling benign. Like, okay, I guess autumn is hell season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <I> guess, <laughs> that's a that's a detail we'll never cir- we'll never never circle back to. You get to all, you get to September, and you're just like, oh fuck, it's hell season again. Okay, all right, board up the entire fucking house. They're coming in. <laughs> like, just- well, he he gives a few hints about hell's hierarchy and the, like the system of demons yes. during that, and it's all hilarious. Yeah, and it's Honestly, all incredibly corporate. Yeah, because the Yattering is like clearly a low-level demon. He tries to call it Beelzebub, and it's it's funny. <laughs> he just calls his boss. I think it's his boss or his oh, boss. Beelzebub boss. is his boss's and, boss. And Beelzebub's like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> like he's so indignant about it. And I love that there's a little uh, detail in there when Beelzebub uses the we, like the the 
authoritative we, such as the like royal when, we, yeah, the yeah. royal we. And he says like, and a title he was, uh, a usage he was not entitled to. So like, cool, Beelzebub is middle management, uh, feeling his yeah. power. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, like he's just feeling it. <laughs> yeah, the Adderin is still begging while Beelzebub is like dematerializing, and he's Beelzebub is saying, "Where is your pride?" So the master's voice as it shriveled into distance, "Pride, Yadarin, pride." Oh yeah, I that was a good one. So funny. <laughs> It's very funny. I liked it a lot. Yeah, like that's 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 about the most I can say about Clive Barker. Kind of summing up that he's he's just enjoyable. Like you know, the horror doesn't make your skin crawl. Well, the in the cities, the hills made my skin crawl because I'm very hungover as we're recording this, and I was literally <laughs> nauseated at some of the descriptions. Uh, but the rest of it is just like, yeah, these are these are a lot of fun to just blitz through. Yeah. I, so you. I think you managed to kind of skirt most of it, Taylor, but many of these stories have many very gruesome descriptions that will make people who are not used to this kind of thing oh. stomach churn, for sure. Like, we're talking blood cum shit all mixed up with mutated fucking monsters and mayhem. It's Yeah, it's a he, lot. He does a very good job of... This is also the thing about being Lovecraft's cooler older brother, is he does a great job of forcing you to look at the unimaginable horror like there's no i uh, lovecraft has descriptions of some of his like the things that you see and some of them are pretty fucking good uh but he likes to talk about like the madness of the impossible horror in front like there's a lot of talking about how it's so crazy that you can't even describe it sort of thing which which is fine it has its that's its own horror to it but well, Clive Barker is like I can't stress enough that that unimaginable horror is next to you look at it and he fucking Ludovico techniques your eyes open and he's like look at the fucking horrible thing because like, he, he's also like it looks so horrible it makes you go insane because it looks like this exactly like yeah, this let me describe like, it to you <laughs> yeah. he, he would have definitely written the king in yellow he would have written yeah. the play that makes people go fucking mad. Zero chance he wouldn't it. have the entire King in Yellow if that was Absolutely. Yeah. No, I like it. Uh, one, H.B. Lovecraft makes descriptions that are supposed to be paradoxical, like, oh, the non-Euclidean mm -hmm. geometry and the unimaginable. Like, again, like, how do you describe something which is by itself, like, unrelatable? And he does it by talking mm -hmm. about madness, whereas Clive Barker is like, yeah, that's cool and all, but you can definitely understand some horrifying shit, and you don't need a thesaurus <laughs> when I write it. You know? Exactly. Like you could... <laughs> yeah. Very good. So, do we want to do are are we friends first, or or hit up that that kids? Corner? Oh, wait a second. I hear it. I hear it coming right now. Can you hear it? It's the kids' corner. All right, so this week we got a, a special <laughs> listener to call out, our, our good friend uh, and listener, Danny, <laughs> who sent us a video a little while uh, yesterday, and he just says, God help me this evening, gents, and there was a video attached to it, and I read that, and I didn't watch the video for a bit, and then I came back to it realizing, like, no, 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 I need to respond, and I play it, and it's just the beginning of cats <laughs> 2019 oh, <no>. Danny <laughs> and I said very excited like oh shit boy how was it and I want to read you his entire review <laughs> bad it's bad it's one of those movies you'd think hallucinogenic drugs would make more fun like Fantasia but this is an acid trip gone wrong I've 
only had a beer and a half, and I'm freaking out more than when I watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Sober. And that movie is supposed to feel like an acid trip. The acting is the worst. The plot doesn't exist. The CGI is from a bad NyQuil dream. And all of it feels overly sexual for some reason, which is creepy because they're terrifying CGI cat people and the movie has a PG rating. This will scar children for life. Also, Rebel Wilson can't sing, and the only reason Taylor Swift was in this is so she could try to, uh, to move towards getting that EGOT. The Academy needs to strip Tom Hooper of his best director Oscar and give it to David Fincher, who truly deserved it for The Social Network. One out of ten. And then... Oh! Jorge says, completely agree with you. Not enough cat sex. Zero out of ten. And he says, I swear to Christ, if there was a cat sex scene, I would have thrown my Xbox controller through my TV and soaked my Xbox in bleach. There are dark sides of Pornhub that no person should go to, and something like this is probably there. Oh, for sure. And people do go to them. Yeah, I... I wanted to read all of that because I feel like anyone who has watched Cats is simultaneously horrified and fascinated by it. You want to forget it, but you have to describe it in detail in order to relate to other people why you want to forget it so bad. It's a trap. It's a perfect trap. Holy moly. I feel like people are just asking us to do another Cats episode. Jorge, I can promise you. What else is there to say? I can promise you that's not happening because every listener who's reached out about us to the Cats episode has said, yeah, I hated Cats too, or it took me seven weeks to get through that episode. (laughs) (laughs) We went went down too far. You went too deep and we awakened something. We did something bad. Uh, also, Danny is correct about Tom Hooper's uh, Oscar. He should, it should be stripped and given to David. Yeah, I felt some old pain there. Yeah, like, that was a weirdly personal moment, buddy. Reopened. Um, yeah, oh. I would say uh, take the Academy less seriously. <laughs> they, they are I, terrible. I, I, I am saluting you, Danny. I know this is an audio-only format, but I am, I am saluting you for your service watching that film and giving us a review of it because no one should voluntarily subject themselves to that the the best suggestion i've ever heard about what to do with the academy and sort of make it a little bit better is they should only award oscars 5 years after the movie has yes. happened so we can all sober up a little bit and really see that movie for what it was <laughs> yeah the the academy's weird because they fluctuate from nailing it to getting it so wrong like year to year it's not even like a a slipping scale where they're like Oh, nailed it, kind of nailed it, uh, 50-50, uh, and then horrible, and then like uh, like back and forth that way. It's like, cool, Parasite won Best Picture. Yes, it deserved it a, hor- a bunch. Oh, fucking, uh, no, there's literally no black people involved in the Oscars two years ago. Okay, so that's a problem, guys, and it's only been two years. Like, I can always tell when the Oscars release their nominations because something is trending on Twitter about, like, are you fucking kidding me right now, Academy? Like, yeah, oh, cool, so th- it must be Oscar season now. It's a collective uh, throwing of hands in the air. That's always what it is during Oscar season. So I had a, an experience a little while ago when I was uh, seeing my cousin in California. He lives in L.A., and he's in the industry, and his girlfriend's in the industry. And they had two copies of Bohemian Rhapsody and some other movie way ahead of time on DVD. I'm like, well, do you guys like boot like this or something? Like, no, no, no. There, we have a friend who's in the Academy. He's a viewer. He gave us the view copy, and it's oh. incredible because when you put these things in, there's no menu or anything. It's like an old, it's like a VHS tape. You plop it in, the movie plays, it ejects when it's done. It's like, yeah, the the 
God damn. Yeah, yeah, except it says for your consideration all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, if you can get a hold of view copies, they are really cool. Yeah, but if you don't already, if your friend hasn't already offered you one, you're probably not in the inner circle. That really is the problem. You're not going to be getting one anytime soon if that's the yeah. case. Occasionally, you can find them in thrift stores, and people always, you know, brag on the internet. Uh, in a lot of the groups that I'm in, the the collectors of movie stuff, whether they be Laserdisc or VHS, <laughs> and it's just like, oh shit, dude, I got the mother load, and it'll be something like uh, fucking Entrapment, <laughs> but the Oscar view copy, wow, or something like. That that it'll be ridiculous movies like cool i guess like that's a little piece of history you've got also why is everyone in this group a total douchebag (laughs) i i would love to get like so there's like all like the criterion style movie you know the movies that like do a lot of damage and like win a lot of oscars like a parasite or 1917 like those style like prestige movies totally would want like viewing copies of those i would also want viewing copies of like suicide squad (laughs) Beautiful. To be just have a big because it won an Academy Award. It's an Academy Award winning. Yeah, film. one for like, like sound bummer. editing or something, right? Uh, no, makeup, makeup effects. and effects. All right, because the the uh, alligator, the Killer Croc looked pretty good actually. Uh, he looked weird, but like the makeup was good about it. Um, but I would love to just watch like fucking Jared Leto's Joker being all fucking doofy and stupid with just for your consideration plastered over his face, and it's like <laughs> fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> Oh, oh God. Okay, so on the subject Sorry. of Clive Barker, are we friends? A thousand times, yes. Um, v- it's such a cool motherfucker that, like, has very super digestible stories. Uh, I'm also going to go with a resounding yes. I hope we inspired you guys to read some of these stories. I know we didn't want to give away too much because we want you guys to enjoy yeah. them, too. B- big yes. Yeah, 100% yes for me. Probably going to reread all the books of blood mm-hmm. definitely start there but he does i mean i hear it, people do like his fantasy novels that he came out with a string of them afterwards um, if they're anything if they're written to any quality like this i'm gonna have fun with them there's no way i won't yeah yeah i, I doubt the quality declined at all it's just it's not that insane horror shit that's what <laughs> i'm here just for <laughs> just next week hey addendum real quick brian read clive barker's first fa- dark fantasy book Oh my God! What a pile of turd! Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, maybe, dude, maybe I don't know. Apparently, this book is not worth being the toilet paper that Twilight wipes its own ass with. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty far. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, as always, guys, you can find us on our social media underscore are we friends all one word on Twitter and Instagram, or you can hit us up on our website r we friends dot com dot com dot com. <laughs> Until we talk to you guys next week. I have been your absolutely unflappable co-host, Taylor. I've been the taste of salt semen, Brian. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still just for it. And we will yatter at you next week. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell.